The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, Certified Financial Planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners, Bubba Labus, and yours truly, Greg Cooley, with you on this portion of the show, brought to you by Cooley and Labus Financial Advisors, where your personal financial plan is the key. So, Bubba, uh, did you ever take economics in high school and college? I did. I had yeah. to take a bunch of it, right? Well, um, surprisingly less than what you would, would think. Right, for a finance major? Yeah, I think I had uh, two semesters, mm-hmm. um, and then an econ class in, in high school as well. Yeah, did you like yeah. it? I did. It was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, a lot of people... Think a lot of times it comes down to the professor or the teacher, oh, right? That's true. You know? Yeah. You can get up there and go, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know? Yeah. But but then, you know, I remember one professor I had that was really good and yeah. made it interesting, kind of related it to the real world, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah. And and there are a lot of people who take, uh, you know, business classes Mm -hmm. and major in some sort of of study of business, and uh, they seem to want to avoid economics. Right. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with the nomenclature and and and. It's grasp. a funny word just to begin with, well, right? That's true. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, many times we just don't mm-hmm. want to stretch ourselves a little yeah. bit. But I love economics myself, yeah. and I don't know if a lot of people walking the street in Mississippi know this, but we have a state economist, right? You think very many people know that? I think very few people know that. Yeah, and so we want to give him his due and give him an opportunity to be heard north of Highway 82 in Mississippi. And so today, our special guest is Dr. Darren Webb, who is the state economist. Mm -hmm. Thanks a lot for being with us today, Dr. Webb. It's good to be here. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. Um, you came up the other day and did a rotary program for me, and I really appreciate that. Uh, uh, You got an opportunity to see Corinth, didn't you? I did. I really enjoyed it. My wife and I, after we uh, left the rotary, we we sort of did the whole touristy thing. So we really enjoyed enjoyed Corinth. Yeah, it's a very nice little town. It, it really is. We're we're very very blessed. And uh, you know, in in this part of the world, whether it's just Corinth, Mississippi, as a small little burb, or whether it is the state of of, of Mississippi, uh, you know, economics and finance and money and and how people act. Uh, are are significant in in how we we live and um, I'd like to get your your input on why in the world all of that interested you in the first place now you went and you you did an associate's degree and an undergrad degree uh, walk me through a little bit of who Darren is and and why economics interests you certainly I, well you know as a kid I probably wouldn't have never even heard of it I didn't really know what it was and, right. Um, uh, I, I didn't take an economics course in, in high school at that time. It was not required. Hmm. Um, I had worked through high school at a feed and feed store, hmm. and I enjoyed that. I, I liked working with the public. I enjoyed the customer service. I enjoyed the agriculture community. And as I was graduating, I was uh, given a scholarship, a small scholarship uh, of $1,000 hmm. uh, to go anywhere I wanted to go. So I started looking at programs. I knew I could get the most bang for my buck at a community college. So I went to 
to Heinz and then started looking at what to major in. Well, because I had worked in feed and seed and, uh, and worked in the agri- agricultural industry, I thought, well, I'll just major in agribusiness. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And I, I still at this point, you know, I did take an economics course through that, but uh, honestly, it was not that interesting. I, I, it didn't grab me at all. Right. It was kind of, you know, like you said, it's kind of boring. But uh, uh, I was finishing up there, and I had been working at UPS at night loading trucks. And mm-hmm. I finished up my two-year degree. That was all I planned to do, go two years, get out, make my make my fortune. Uh, and as I was finishing up, I went to my advisor. I said, okay, you know, I'm about done here. Now, where do I go to work? And his advice was for me to keep loading trucks. And um, UPS is a great place to work, especially for a college student, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. Uh, so he said, well, then, you know, go on to Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, went up to Mississippi State uh, for another couple of years to, to major in, again, agribusiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, all through that period of time, you know, I did take economics courses, but, you know, they, I took courses that were interesting courses that weren't that interesting. Uh, didn't really know where I was going to go with that. Mm-hmm. My senior year, I took two courses that I think sort of helped me to see where I wanted to go. I took one course that was essentially a mathematical economics course uh, under Dr. Stan Spurlock. And that course, for the first time, economics made sense and mathematics had purpose. And I really liked that. The other course I was taking was a statistics class under Dr. Faye Hagen. And those two courses together was taken at the same time, and my thought was, hey, if they'll pay me to do this, this is what I want to do. <laughs> uh, and so I determined at that point to go in and get my Ph.D. So I, mm. I finished up uh, at, at Mississippi State, the undergraduate degree, immediately went into graduate school working on my master's degree. Um, I knew I was going to go on to get a Ph.D., but I wanted to work a little while. So I actually came to the state economist office, and I worked for a year and a half as an economic analyst, basically mm. just a sort of a number cruncher and um, did a variety of projects for uh, Phil Pepper, who was a, the former state economist. Mm-hmm. Uh, went from there to Clemson, got a Ph.D. there, worked for a year uh, at uh, Northeast, well, it was called Northeast University, um, Northeast Louisiana University at the time. I think it's the University of Louisiana at Monroe now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I worked for a year there, and when I applied for the job there, I also applied for a job here uh, in forecasting. Forecasting was not really my area of expertise, uh, but my goal from the very beginning was to work in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife and I both have you know, strong roots here in Mississippi. We wanted to be back uh, close to family. The reason I took the job in Monroe, frankly, was because it was close to Mississippi. Uh, so so when uh, when the opportunity came to, to come here, uh, I, I did. I took the position here as a revenue forecaster. That's what I was hired to do back in uh, 1995 was uh, forecast tax revenues. Hmm. I did that for, for Phil for uh, about 15 years. And then when he retired, I, I became the, the state economist. And um, and been, been doing that ever since. So, so it's kind of a winding road to sure. economics. Yeah. Uh, but for me, you know, again, the math, econ, and the statistics are things that that just appealed to me. I, I enjoyed that, and, and and that's when I decided to to pursue that as a career. So, what years were we talking about here? You were uh, in uh, as an undergrad. What what years are we talking? So I, I finished up my undergraduate. I graduated high school in '83. Finished okay. up my 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 undergraduate degree, I guess, in 87, my master's in 89, mm-hmm. and worked a year and a half before I went to Clemson. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually finished my degree at Clemson, because I left there going to Louisiana without quite finishing my degree. I was working on my dissertation mm-hmm. while I was at uh, Louisiana, uh, That was, and then came here in 95. So mm-hmm. I've, I've been 
back here in Mississippi since 1995. You know, you were talking about uh, during the time you were working on your associate's degree that you were working at UPS. While you were working on your undergrad and your master's, were you, were you also uh, working somewhere? Uh, yes, uh, yes, uh, yes. I worked. Uh, I worked while I was at, uh, at at Mississippi State. Initially, my job was I worked in the in the ag econ department hmm. uh, as a, just a student worker. And then um, somewhere along the line, I started. I picked up another job. I was working uh, at uh, there was a Mazios at the time in the cafeteria, and I worked in the I worked in the cafeteria at the at the Mazios, yeah. delivering pizzas and things. So, well, you know, Bubba was talking a minute ago about how that sometimes economics, and you actually mentioned it yourself. Sometimes it it's just not real to you, and sometimes it's dependent on who the professor is. My experience is that. A lot of times the teachers and professors that were best for me over on the business side were the people who had practical experience, the people who had really been out there and sweat and dealt with people and, you know. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's true. And I think that's why, you know, the, the ag econ was uh, appealed to me, the agricultural economics, cause, no. uh, because, you know, they, they, these are working with real-world problems, trying to address them and, um, and, and apply economic principles to to the to the ag industry. So I think that was the that was the allure for me as well. well. It's great to have you with us today. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Darren Webb, who is our special guest today, who is the state economist for the state of Mississippi. We're going to continue our discussion with him through the next segment. Here we're up against a break for a couple of commercials, and after we come back out of this break, we're going to talk to Dr. Webb about the real world and forecasting and what his office actually does for us. Right here on the advice. Roundtable. All right, so Dr. Webb, we got you through the first 15 minutes there pretty easily. Well, good. We survived. <laughs> yeah. Do one more time and we'll be out of here. Um, if you were just a you know an average person walking the street in the state of Mississippi, what do you think, uh, you know, if you had a moment as the state economist to talk to them, what, what, what do you want to get across to them that your office does uh, and, and how that makes a difference to them in the real world on a day-to-day basis? Well, certainly. You know, you know, you know, our, you, if you go to a play, uh, you, know, you have the actors, which are highly visible. Mm-hmm. You've got the director, which is less visible. You've got the people who do the, uh, the scenery and the, 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 the uh, uh, costumes mm-hmm. and things. They're even less visible. We're in that last category. So, you know, okay. most... The average Mississippian is not going to see a lot of what we what we do, mm-hmm. but having said that, what we provide the state is is necessary. Uh, we provide basically a source of unbiased, objective analysis. You know, nowadays everything gets politicized, <laughs> yeah. and so our office is is designed to be, uh, you know, apart from that, we we are designed to give again that unbiased, objective analysis. I I tell our folks we we have no dog in any fight. We're we're right. not trying to advocate for the right, for the left, or anything like that, we want to provide this objective analysis. And so when it comes to things like uh, looking at the forecast, you know, we're not swayed by by the politics. Uh, Likewise, we're looking at a tax law change or Mm -hmm. um, impact analysis or or any of the things that we do, we try to to give this unbiased look and an honest assessment of whatever the issue may be. That's a, a perfect that, that's, that's, yeah, perfect analogy. And when we come back from the break, I'm going to ask you that question. Just let you work through it just like you just presently did. Um, okay. And uh, so... So we weren't recording just now. No, we weren't no. recording. We're, 
okay. we're, we're off and, the, and they're out doing, you know, earning a living with, with some ads. Well, that's what I thought when you asked. I was like, well, I guess we're back on already. Uh, so. Just kind of keep, keep the, the mind flowing and, and the flow of the information here. Uh, I It usually works best between us and guests if, if we can kind of get them continuing to think through the, through the breaks. See. Yeah. I yeah. See. I yeah. See. Everything good for you guys down there? You yeah, come through the holiday great. well? Had a wonderful holiday, yeah. wonderful break. It was hard to come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoyed my time off. So we, we take about two weeks off, Ooh. almost two weeks. And so, you know, you can get lazy in two weeks. You're right. You're right. That's, that's great. But it's an opportunity to touch base with friends and family and church sure, and all sure. that. You know, right. Exactly. Great tradition yeah. we have. All right. We're, we're going to be back on in about 30 seconds. So, okay. Uh, sounds you know, good. Clear your, clear your throat if you need to and take a swig of coffee. Listen to your needs and then put ourselves in your shoes, treating you how we would want to be treated every step of the way. Call Bailey Williams Realty at 662-286-2255 or visit us at courthomes.com. We want to... Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners Bubba Labus and yours truly Greg Cooley with you on this portion of the show. Brought to you by Smith Restaurant for fine dining done casually in downtown Corinth, Mississippi, Smith Restaurant. And as Bubba likes to say, Smith Restaurant, period, right? <laughs> uh, thanks a lot to all of our fine sponsors here at the Advisors Roundtable. As we indicated in our first segment, we have the state economist, Dr. Darren Webb, on with us today. And uh, Dr. Webb, I, I love the analogy you use about telling us about the significance of your office and how economists work into to, to the, the uh, economics of what goes on in Mississippi and in America. Tell us uh, that uh, analogy that you, you use to describe where you guys fit in well you asked about the average mississippian and how maybe our our office impacts them mm-hmm. as i pointed out that you know if you go to a play you've got you've got people who do, do the acting so they're highly visible you've got the director uh maybe the producer they're a little less visible but then you have the people who are you know painting the sceneries they're doing the costumes they're in the background and you really don't see those and that's really where we fit we're, we're very much in the background uh, of, of what takes place. We're, we're not out visible, and I think that's good and necessary. What we provide the state of Mississippi, and the average Mississippian would benefit from this, is we provide unbiased, objective analysis, gotcha. no matter what we're looking at. If, we, if I'm looking at the forecast, mm-hmm. uh, then I'm going to not be influenced by political pressures. My, my objective is to give, this is what we really think is going to happen, um, and, and, and the legislators, they can do with what they want to with it, but but we're going to try to provide them the best numbers that we can. Likewise, if we're looking at a, a impact analysis for a new industry that's coming to Mississippi or, or any of the, the other issues we may be examining, if we're looking at a tax law change or, or anything like that, we're going to try to provide the best analysis that we can unbiased. I, I tell all our, our team that we have no dog in the fight in any fight. Uh, I tell them we're, we're like Dragnet. It's just the facts, ma'am. That's what we're going to provide. So. Well, uh, in order to keep you out of the political fray, um, I guess it's the way that the whole thing is set up, the the whole mechanism 
uh, that, that keeps a kind of a Chinese wall between you and the legislators and anybody having any undue influence on you and how you disseminate the information? Well, I think that years ago when they set up the state, where they put the state economist is a little bit unique in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're actually housed in the institutions of higher learning. Mm-hmm. And the design, the idea behind that is to give us a little bit of a buffer from, from political pressure. And so most counterparts in other states uh, would work for either the executive branch or the legislative branch. And uh, they would report directly to them. Well, I, I don't. I report directly to the commissioner of higher education. He's, he's my boss. Okay. And, uh, and and so that gives us a little bit of a, a buffer from the political pressure. I mean, politics is everywhere, so you're going to get influenced. I mean, you're going to, you're going to get hammered a little bit uh, from, from, from that. But but we do have a little bit of a buffer, and, and that's that's good. And, and I've talked to other economists in other states, and they, they envy the system that we have here because they feel like we're able to give a little bit a little bit more unbiased analysis. How long has it been set up that way? Uh, probably... I think it, when it goes all the way back to the 80s. Yeah, um, I'd say, Long yeah. before my time, uh, uh, I think, is when they when they set this up. You know, we, we actually were part of the old R&D center, which was somewhat of a think tank, uh, and they looked at a variety of issues, that you know, long-term problems for the state of Mississippi, and then they, they sort of divided the R&D center up to... Uh, you, you had what became the um, Mississippi Development Authority, MDA, which is the group that sort of looks at economic development. They look at trying to recruit industry and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then they had the University Research Center, which is sort of the research arm of, of that. And that's where we are, where the University Research Center, which is underneath the institutions of higher learning. I, I thought one of the unique things was just looking at your email address. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, I think, mississippi.edu. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, wait a minute. That's not Ole Miss. That's not Mississippi State. That's not Southern <laughs> Miss or, or any right. of these. It's just mississippi.edu, which I, I thought, you know, kind of encompasses everything. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's part of the college board, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. so how, how, how large is your staff? We, we have a, a relatively small staff. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, over the years with people retiring and, and you know, we've had pretty tight budgets over the years. We've kind of whittled it down. We only have about six people here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are three um, PhD economists, that's including myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have one guy who is not, doesn't have a PhD, but uh, because not from a university, but if you were to look at it from experience, he has a PhD. I mean, he's, he's worked a long time uh, in economics, and, and he's very knowledgeable. And then we have uh, someone who's a policy analyst and then someone who is a, a research, research assistant as well. So there's, there's six of us in our office. Now, when you said that you, that you worked there while you were in, in school, you were doing some forecasting related to tax revenue? Well, when I, well, when I first finished up at my uh, I don't know. See, when I first came back here, after I finished my PhD, I worked in, in that's where I began was in revenue forecasting. Okay. Uh, so, so the, the revenue, the revenue in Mississippi, the revenue forecast is very important because the legislature, by by the legislation, can only appropriate ninety eight percent of the of the revenue estimate. Mm-hmm. And so, I am on the, the the group. There's a there's a group of us, a five member group. That comes up with the revenue forecast. So it's not just my number; it's 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 uh, mine, and uh, it's a consensus estimate mm-hmm. between the state economist, uh, the director of finance and administration, uh, the, the state treasury's office, the Department of Revenue, and the legislative budget office. So there's five five different ones uh, that we come together and we meet. And so, uh, so I, I started years ago giving the previous state economist. Phil Pepper, you know, the analysis 
far the revenues, and that became sort of the basis of the discussion when the committee would meet mm-hmm. uh, to discuss revenues. But that was actually after I finished my Ph.D. I worked as an economic analyst here while I between my master's and my Ph.D., mm. uh, and I just was number cruncher. I don't even know a variety of projects. I think uh, we had some, some politicians who were doing speeches, and uh, they would ask us for data, and I would provide that data for them, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So yeah. well, we still do a lot of that. We still do you know, requests for information. People oh. you know, contact us looking for analysis. Our office does impact analysis, so... If there is a, a new industry, we might get asked to say, okay, well, this is a package that the legislature is considering given to this uh, particular project. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, does, this, does this pay for itself? Mm-hmm. So our office does that kind of analysis. And, um, and of course, we, we do forecasting, forecasting of revenues, but also forecasting of just economic variables. We monitor the state's economy, you know, kind of like you mentioned, uh, doing the rotary uh, thing you know, a few weeks back. Uh, we do those sorts of things. Sometimes we'll look at local areas and, and kind of give people an assessment of their, their local economy. And uh, we, we also do analysis and research in long-term issues, so the challenges facing Mississippi. We have a conference that we have every year called the Advancing Mississippi Conference, mm-hmm. where we try to bring you know experts from all the universities and, uh, and, and colleges in the state that do applied economic analysis of any issue that the state is affect, uh, affected by. So we've, over the years, they've looked at issues like you know, childhood obesity, uh, how do you measure poverty, brain drain, human capital accumulation, just a, a variety of uh, long-term challenges that the state faces, and, um, and we, we do that every year. Well, uh, you know, we got a couple minutes here before we come up to this last break, and we're going to let you go at the end of this second segment, and we really appreciate you for being with us. We want to have you here every quarter or every, every you know, maybe semi-annually just to go over some things with us. And now that you've introduced uh, or been introduced to our listening audience, uh, you know, we're probably the next time we're just going to jump right into what do you, whatever you think about the latest GDP numbers or whatever. Okay. <laughs> but, but this last couple minutes... Uh, tell us what you think 2020 looks like uh, from from the point of view of, of your analysis and, and statistics and, and, and where the trends seem to go. How does it look for Mississippi for 2020? You know, Mississippi's economy is very dependent upon the performance of the national economy. So when the national economy is doing well, Mississippi tends to do better. Mm-hmm. If the national economy is doing poor, then Mississippi is going to tend to do even poorer. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, the national economy is is growing at a pretty nice clip. We've had a pretty good 2019, uh, and our forecast for, for 2020 is for continued growth, mm-hmm. maybe a little slower than 2019, but still growth. Uh, and so we, we look likewise look for the state's economy to improve. And if you look at the sort of trajectory of the Mississippi economy over the past few years, we've been slowly gaining momentum. Mm-hmm. We're not growing super fast. We're not growing even as fast as our neighbors, but we are gaining in momentum. And so we look for that to continue into 2020. Mm. Uh, like I said, we'll be we'll be helped by the, the expanding national economy, uh, and then likewise the things that are going on in the state is, itself. So, if there were so, it was it, right in closing here before we go to this break, we, if if there were one or two things that might challenge that, if you can just look on the horizon, what what do you think? I, I think the the biggest challenge right now is the trade war. Uh, you know, it's, it's affecting the national economy. It's affecting manufacturing. And in Mississippi, manufacturing is, is 
we're relatively more dependent upon manufacturing right. uh, than than the nation as a whole. And likewise, you know, the ag sector, the ag sector has been affected by the, the trade war as well. So I, I think to me that's the biggest issue uh, that's that's affecting us, and, and and not just the trade war and the mechanics of that, but also the uncertainty that comes from that. Uncertainty has really been oh, yeah. an issue really since the re- since the recession. Mm-hmm. Uh, we you know we had a lot of things that took place right after we went into the recession uh, that, that made people very insecure and in, you know unsure of where we were going to go. Yeah. Uh, policy, large policies that were implemented that were you know grand and sweeping and affected so much of the economy, mm-hmm. but also introduced a lot of uncertainty. People weren't sure what the what the rules were, whether it was the banking industry or the medical right. uh, the, the medical industry, there was a lot of uncertainty associated with that. We sort of hammered all those kinds of things out, but now we've got the, the trade war taking place, and mm-hmm. that's that's sort of reintroducing that uncertainty that I think I think you know, dampens growth from what it would otherwise be. Well, we'll continue to watch that, and we thank you for giving us your thoughts and obviously being here and sharing your talents with us. And uh, we'll co- we'll continue to uh, check in with you over the next Sounds few months. Good. Thanks a lot, Dr. Webb. Thanks for having me. Good day. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners Bubba Labus and yours truly Greg Cooley with you on this portion of the show brought to you by Bailey Williams Realty, residential and commercial sales and leasing specialist. And you can find them at CorinthHomes.com. Thanks a lot to all of our sponsors of the Advisors Roundtable. So Bubba, we're just on with the state economist, Dr. Webb. A um, couple things I, I, I want to glean from mm-hmm. that. First of all, as we pointed out, I, I think there are a lot of people who don't don't know his office is there. Right. They, they don't know he's doing all this. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you hear uh, maybe some criticism from time to time at the local local coffee shop when you find out that the city of Corinth is giving such and such tax breaks to so-and-so or right. the state of Mississippi and the economic mm-hmm. development people are giving uh, these revenue things and mm-hmm. bonds and, and breaks and whatever to some uh, manufacturing facility. And the question is, you know, are we just giving away all of the benefit right. and is it ever going to benefit us? Are we getting our money's worth? Yeah. In other words. And there's somebody out there calculating that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Doing it in an objective way, uh, don't you think that makes you feel a little more reassured? I, I would hope so. Um, yeah, but I, would, I would hope so that you would feel a little bit more reassured just because you know you're not willy nilly giving away things. No, you know you do expect something in return, right? Whether that be twenty jobs, fifty jobs, a certain capital investment that you make in a community, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, uh, whether it's you know sales tax revenue, mm-hmm. whatever you're expecting to get out of this, and maybe put more of your people to work. But I'd like to ask him sometime. Uh, you know, uh, does he ever come across with some analysis, and then a politician calls him back and said, "Yes, but I don't want it." Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like a like mm-hmm. a kid does. <laughs> so that, uh, two things that you know, I I could have spent probably another hour oh, uh, with him to. and asking yeah. questions and that sort of thing. Um, one thing that I think we ought to pose next time we have him on the show is, um, 
and I want to d- define here the difference between a futurist and an economist, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. a futurist is somebody who projects out in the future and says, these are like the global trends that we project are coming about. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example of one of those. I, I heard a guy, I think in Washington, D.C., a number of years ago, he said, you know, probably by the, the 2030, we're going to have self-driving cars all over the place, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he also said that Volvo has already announced, Volvo Car Company, mm-hmm. that if you have a self-driving car and there is an accident that is the fault of the car, mm-hmm. that they will cover any kind of accident that you have. Okay. So you project out a little bit further, what kind of implication does that have on the auto insurance industry? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, big, big thematic things, right? Yeah. So yeah. one thing that I'd like to ask him is, you know, looking forward 10 years you know, from now and your crystal ball, mm-hmm. what do you think are going to be some of the biggest global trends that are going to influence Mississippi and the United States? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, let's just take that one about mm-hmm. uh, transportation. Right. You know, whether we're going to have electric cars or, mm-hmm. or uh, the insurance industry, any other things that are kind of right. ancillary to all that. Um, you know, I have a client who told me the other day that he's got a 26 year old son that lives in a large city that doesn't know how to drive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No reason to learn. Right. So if you didn't know how to drive. Well, if you've got an, uh, a phone that you can punch up somebody and they'll come pick you up. Get Lyft or Uber to come by. Or you get on public transit and don't really need it. No. I mean, why would you learn how? So from a budgeting, mm-hmm. just a personal budgeting point of view, mm-hmm. that guy doesn't have to pay for a license. He doesn't have to pay for gasoline. Doesn't, Probably saving five or six hundred dollars a month, right? Yeah, doesn't have to pay for a car yeah. payment. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to pay for insurance. Doesn't have to pay for a tag. There's doesn't your one. Doesn't have to pay for gas. <laughs> doesn't have yeah. to pay for. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. It, you start adding that up. I that, bought tires the other day, and boy, howdy. Boy. Yeah, yeah. So one of your kids won't be going to college. That's huh? right. That's right. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it ain't cheap. So you know, all of these, what seem to be minor changes, you know, some futurist tells you, well, in the future, we're going to have driverless cars. Mm-hmm. That sounds cool. And it sounds like Dick Tracy or, you know, Star Wars or something. Um, but it has a ramification on a number of industries. Because this, this friend of mine whose son does not drive... How many different industries are not getting revenue out of his paycheck? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a gasoline industry, and there's a repair industry, and there's right. the tires, and then there's the, even the mm-hmm. state not getting certain fees and, sure. and the car insurance. All this stuff is connected. Yeah. Or not. What about, you know, just taking this futurist thing a little bit further, what about medical technology and mm-hmm. medical advancements, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Mississippi right now, I think, uh, I, I hear this all the time, is the fattest state in the nation, right? Mm-hmm. At least we're number one in something, right? <laughs> yeah. But, it, you know, let's say that there's a magic pill that comes out that cures obes- uh, obesity, right? So you can eat slug burgers, take yeah. a pill, and it not affect you. And it not affect you. Sign right? me up. So what <laughs> what is that going to do for, you know, the workforce yeah. in Mississippi? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all these futuristic things that you think about that are kind of pie in the sky, but, you know, yeah. we used to think 30, 40 years ago that, you know, would we really be talking to our watches and seeing people on it and, and like, you know, go, go gadget? Oh, yeah. 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 Nobody would have thought mm-hmm. that your phone 
your phone yeah. would do what it does yeah. now. And actually, it's not really a phone. It's a computer That's that right. does some phone functions. That has uh, more computing power than, uh, I think, the Saturn V missiles. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it, it was hard. It would have been hard to forecast all that and right. the changes that mm-hmm. it's made um, in in our society. But a number of the th- the things that we do now, people could not have imagined thirty years ago. Right. You know they they wouldn't have imagined. First of all, that you'd pay for bottled water. Mm-hmm. My grandmother. Yeah. I mean, she, <laughs> she she wouldn't have been about mm-hmm. that. You're paying for what? Next thing you're going to be paying for air. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, those people who have issues with their lungs do. At least it'll be Perrier, right? <laughs> Perrier. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but I've recently, you know, had family members who've been in the hospital and, and rehab facilities and that sort of thing and having conversations with physical therapists, doctors, nurses. And, you know, they, they tell me that a number of those issues that those people are facing are caused just by one or two things, one of them being obesity. Yep. And if on the medical side we could figure that out, either change our lifestyles and our choices or somebody come out with a pill mm-hmm. to f- affect it, you know, what's that going to do for uh, the revenue of some of some doctors? Yep. What's it going to do for the, the revenue and the income for some clinics? Mm-hmm and rehab facilities and hospitals that now are forecasting their revenue on a certain number of heart attacks every year. Right. Hmm? You know, when I was on the board of aldermen, we used to get forecasts from the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, you know, forecasted uh, the number of flu cases that they would receive and the number of births that they would have. And, you know, basically forecasting is budgeting. Yeah. Right. Which is something we talk about all the time. It really yeah. is. It really is. Um, and, and so what I want to do is take some of this stuff that Dr. Webb talked about in his office will do and what you and I have talked about here and then say, before we go to this last break, tease people into the question, you know, how does this affect you? Mm-hmm. How do all these numbers and these forecasts and these future uh, predictions, how does that affect your budget and your home? and your life, and what you're going to do, and maybe what you're going to do with your money. Right. Right here on the Advisors Roundtable. Smith Restaurant in downtown Corinth has fine dining done casually. Enjoy live music on the weekends and drink specials all week long. Smith is open Tuesday through Saturday for lunch, 11 a.m. till 5 p.m., and dinner starts at 5. And if you're looking for private dining, we also have rooms for rehearsal dinners, class reunions, and wedding receptions. So call Smith for all your dining needs at 594-1925. Catering and reservations also available. Smith Restaurant, 603 North Fillmore Street. Fine dining done casually. Running out of storage space? Call Albright Storage at 808-STORE. That's 808-STOR for clean, safe, affordable, climate-controlled self-storage units with video surveillance for personal and business use. Albright Storage units are accessible 24-7 with multiple locations throughout Corinth. And now, thanks to our loyal customers, we have a new location at 327 Tate Street that offers RV and boat storage. Stop in today or visit us at albrightstorage.com. 
This is certified financial planner Bubba Labus. Are you dreaming of a bright future? At Cooley and Labus Financial Advisors, we will help you formulate a solid financial plan to make your dreams a reality. We are certified financial planners that will meet with you to develop a step-by-step, individualized strategy for your finances. Call us today for a financial consultation at Cooley and Labus Financial Advisors, 662-287-1903, or visit us at our website at www.cooleylabus.com. Are you tired of the extra weight and struggling to lose it? Whether it's from bad habits or simply family history, we know how difficult it is to shed those pesky pounds. We may have the solution for you. At Magnolia Center for Surgical Weight Loss, we provide a surgical experience that provides you with both the surgery and support required to achieve your active and healthy self. If you're interested in learning more about surgical weight loss at Magnolia Regional Health Center, visit www.mrhc.org slash surgicalweightloss today. Carlton & Company is your full-service accounting firm licensed in Mississippi. We offer a broad range of services for businesses and individuals and are able to tailor those services to meet your exact needs. We're professional, experienced, and friendly. Please call us today at 662-286-8496 or stop by our office at 306 Foot Street and we'll be happy to discuss how we can assist you or your business. Carlton & Company, our strength, your numbers. Welcome to State Farm, Mr. Murphy. What do you have there? Metal detector. You mentioned you were going to comb through my auto policy to unearth some hidden savings, and I figured you could use this. I just meant I'd give you our discount double check. I'd dig through your policy and see if there are some discounts you could be taking advantage of. There must be a lot of metal in your desk. It's a metal desk. Always looking for the discounts you deserve. That's State Farm's discount double check. Get to a better state. State Farm. Call State Farm agent Penn Majors in Corinth at 287-3911 today. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners, Bubba Labus, and yours truly, Greg Cooley, with you on this portion of the show. Brought to you by your local State Farm agent, Penn Majors, because life happens. Penn Majors and State Farm. So, Bubba, we were talking to Dr. Webb earlier, and he told us about his background, what his office does, and forecasting, and estimating, and uh, economic analysis, and all those sorts of things as the state economist. And in the last segment, we talked about how that, uh, you know, there there's forecasting and future uh, mm-hmm. looking at it is kind of uh, cool to, to think about it. And all that's well and good, but how does that affect me today? Mm-hmm. Um, if something changes in the state economy, and I'm going to pick one, uh, whether you agree with it or not, we're not having a moral discussion, okay? Okay. Whether you agree with it or not, we now have a state lottery and uh, the abil- uh, a lottery and the right. ability to, right. to to you know bet and uh, you know we, we have casinos mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff um, how's that how's that affect the just regular old run-of-the-mill day-to-day Mississippian you know do, do you think we even are conscious of it going on around us all right so I, I could probably take the, the moral argument and yeah. say that it's, uh, I think it's been referred to as a regressive tax on the poor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, generally speaking, or primarily speaking, the poor are the ones that buy the tickets, mm-hmm. uh, therefore using more of their money. Mm-hmm. Um, and that money in turn goes to the state and the taxes and all that kind of stuff that are on the lottery go to to do other things, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could take the extreme right approach and say, well, the poor don't pay much tax anyway, and might, maybe they need to pay a little bit more for the benefits that they receive. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know. There's always a point-counterpoint, right? Point-counterpoint, right? Right, right. <clears throat> but I, I would say that, uh, you know, whether you agree with it or not, it's here now. Mm. And the money is undeniable yeah. when you look at the amount of fund flows that come in through mm-hmm. the lottery mm-hmm. and what that's going to do for, uh, you know, the designated purposes of that lottery. Right, right. I mean, if if I were was going to get on my moral high mm-hmm. horse here, yep. okay. So imagine I'm wearing two hats. Okay, I'm going to be Mister Moralist, right? But I'm also the person I am, which is a financial planner, right? Knowing numbers and knowing people mm-hmm. and knowing trends and knowing spending habits and all those sorts of things. So here, let's say that I'm standing in line at the local uh, Target or or Walmart, okay, and I'm watching you come in spend your money, okay. I could be super critical of every dollar you spend, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could, you know, Phil comes walking through, I could tell him he buys too many sodas, yeah. right? Or I could tell him too many potato chips, yeah. or he doesn't buy enough vitamins. I mean, I could, yeah. I could, and probably back up my point. Why are you buying name brand when you could buy generic? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I could, I could wear him out. Mm-hmm. Where would that, where should that stop from the, the moral, um, uh, a monitoring point of view. Are we only going to stop on the things that I want to stop on? Mm-hmm. You know, fats and carbohydrates. Right. But I don't want to stop on how he spends his money on entertainment. Sure. Because I'm doing that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where are you going to stop if you become Mr. Moral High Horse? Um, and, and that's always been my my concern. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are things that I think are deleterious to our good. And I think things that hurt us. But on the other hand, you know, I really have to watch how far I want to go with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I would want to counsel people who, who want to do that. Um, that, you know, you really watch it because, you know, you start trying to criticize me. Once you finish, I'm going to turn, turn around and start criticizing. You, you know, none of us yeah. are perfect. Watch out for the log in your own eye, right? That's exactly right, you know. And and so when we start looking at the effect of some of these policy changes and some of the things that are happening in the economy, I think we just need to stop and say, hey, quit on the front end trying to talk about the moral thing mm-hmm. because, as you said, it's here. Um, and, you know, how far am I going to go into that discussion? What I need to say is, you know, we got a free society. Mm-hmm. And, yes, there are some people who are weak among us. But, you know, how much am I going to protect you and your weakness? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wasn't protecting you from potato chips yesterday. Right. Huh? I wasn't protecting you from buffets yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but today, suddenly, I want to protect you from alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a slippery slope. It is. But what we can do and really discuss uh, uh, practically how it's going to affect us is, is look at where the money is spent, mm-hmm. look at uh, how the money can come in, look at the benefit that could come from mm-hmm. certain revenue. Um, sources, maybe even some better education. So you'd make better decisions on alcohol and potato chips. Um, I I think that would be a place for us to really look. And and that's what they do in this economic 
uh, forecasting uh, center down there right. that Dr. Re- Webb is, is looking at. It, it, it just it, trying to take all the political and the moral discussion out of it. I, I think he said it pretty clearly. Just the facts, man. Yeah. You know, you know, just the facts. Mm-hmm. If you spend a dollar on that, where does that dollar go? Right. And what happens to that dollar? And how can we affect it in a way that will make Mississippi and this part of the world a better place? So on a day-to-day basis, let's look at how we spend money and how it affects us. Um, You'd say the majority of the people listening to us spend money on housing? Yeah. Okay. So you spend money on a house payment or rent. Right. What happens to those dollars? They go to a landlord or to a mortgage company. Right. If it goes to a landlord, it's probably somebody in your neighborhood. Sure. Or in your city. Mm -hmm. That person's probably depositing that money in a local bank. Mm -hmm. Uh, The effects of that money being in that local bank provide jobs, provides uh, car payments to the next guy. Other uh, loans. uh, Loans. All of those things Mm -hmm. uh, are done. When you pay rent to a local landlord, sure. what about to a mortgage company? When you pay that money to a mortgage company, sometimes that some of that money stays locally. Sometimes it goes nationally. Right. Um, and, you know, you may want to really think about it. When I spend money, where does that money go and how does it affect us? Does it affect my local um, schools? Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 the local board of aldermen. Are they able to put more policemen and firemen on the payroll if I spend money locally? That's always the discussion about spending money locally, right? Absolutely it is, yeah. Um, and because, it, because a certain portion of the sales tax revenue goes back to the cities. Mm-hmm. So if, therefore, you've got a greater portion of money that's spent locally, right, then you've got less money from property taxes that you've got to use to pay for police and firemen mm-hmm. and all those other essential services that the city provides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you can do extra things. Yeah, yeah, and have extra mm-hmm. things and and provide extra services and feel a little more safe and secure mm-hmm. and healthy. Um, all of those things are happening every time I spend a dollar. Right. Um. You made a point earlier about how that uh, sometimes the effect of a certain subject uh, is good or bad on you based on who taught you. Right. My college economics professor was really good at that. And you also made the comment that, you know, sometimes they give you real life examples Mm -hmm. and put it in ways that the average person walking Mm -hmm. the street can understand it. And that's what they did when we were talking about, you know, in my economics class, and we were talking about expenditures and, and the effect of this money supply mm-hmm. on our lifestyles. Right. You know, I think sometimes we just live our lives and we don't really realize what kind of long-term or sure. social or local effect that that our dollars have. Mm -hmm. And it's good to have a conversation with an economist from time to time uh, about those things. If you had asked this economist, Dr. Darren Webb, the Mississippi State economist, if you had had an opportunity there and had two hours to nerd out with Mm -hmm. him, what are a couple of the things that you would have asked him, a couple of things that you you think you would like to know 
um, whether it's about how his office is run or how the state is run or the state budget or political decisions or you know, on a local basis about how we buy groceries? What, what would you have asked him? You know, I probably would have talked more about uh, Internet sales tax. Ooh. And how that has uh, transformed, you know, since South Dakota had their uh, their Supreme Court ruling about, you know, can states collect sales tax? Mm-hmm. Why does Mississippi call it a use tax when it, everybody knows it's a sales tax? All right. So what you're talking about mm-hmm. is if I pick up my phone yep. and I go to Amazon. Right. And I order a new pair of running shoes. Mm-hmm as opposed to going out here and buying them from a local shoe store. Right. I probably am tempted to do that because of price or maybe, convenience. Or maybe for price or, or convenience or selection. Yep. Okay. But I'm doing it. Yep. So I, let's say I pay $100 for that pair yep. of shoes. Mm-hmm. There's I, still $7 that's collected for sales tax on that pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. But that, well, I'm sorry, use tax, we'll mm-hmm. call it. Because I guess you're using the internet, right? Mm-hmm. But that seven dollars goes to the state, mm-hmm. and then that seven dollars is redistributed to other municipalities. Whereas if you purchase the shoes locally, mm-hmm. you still pay a hundred dollars for the shoes. You still pay seven dollars for the tax, mm-hmm. but then that tax is distributed on a what I think not necessarily a fairer basis, but at least a more definite basis. Uh, on the percentage that goes to the city. So probably if I buy it locally, more of that $7 stays. Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the state says that they're doing you a big favor by, you know, utilizing this use tax and giving a diversion back to cities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of politics. Yeah, they're keeping more of the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, when you peel the onion sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's what economists are for. It's so uh, uh, great to have a conversation with our state economists from time to time. We're going to continue to do it right here on the Advisors Roundtable. The discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable, and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an advisor's roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planners, LLC. Ignite Planners LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated.